Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. We are studying the Sermon on the Mount. We began last week with an introduction. It's kind of setting the stage for the events leading right up to our Lord's Sermon here. And one thing I just wanted to bring out from that, and, and it will play a role as we begin to look at the, the text from uh, our Lord's Sermon, is this idea of the kingdom of heaven. We made mention last week about how John the Baptist, as he was preaching um, in the wilderness there, back in Matthew chapter 3, um, the message that he was saying was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then when our Lord um, begins his ministry, one of the first things that he says was indeed, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it goes on, verse 23 of chapter 4, And Jesus was going about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So this idea of the kingdom of heaven is very, very important. And this is how our Lord will begin his ministry. So we looked at, uh, with the Sermon on the Mount, uh, talking about the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom, and then really uh, the plea to enter that kingdom as kind of a way to, to divide up uh, this Sermon on the Mount. So we know that this begins, of course, with the Beatitudes that we find in chapter 5. So this is what we wanted to start with this, uh, this evening. If you're there in chapter 5, and it says, verse 1, And when he saw the multitudes, he went up to the mountain, and then he sat down, his disciples came to him, and opening his mouth, he began to teach them. So what follows is, of course, one of the greatest sermons um, ever recorded, obviously, ever spoken. Um, and it has come down to us and continues to be a source of inspiration, a source of uh, study, a source of encouragement, admonishment. Really, the groundwork for our Lord's ministry is laid out here in this sermon. And as we mentioned, he talks, started off talking about the citizenry, the citizenship of the kingdom. And so this begins with talking with, about the Beatitudes and talking about these citizens of the kingdom. So let's um, begin with uh, a little bit of groundwork and a little bit of definitions. If you're like me, you've probably heard Beatitudes um, all your Bible studying life. Um, that word was always kind of curious to me because it looks like attitude, but it's not quite spelled like that, at least about the second part of it. So I, I wanted to share this with you, and, and hopefully this will be encouraging to you as it was to me. Um, where we get the Beatitudes is there's a Latin word called beati, or beati, however you'd like to pronounce that. And that word means happiness or blessedness, which we understand. And that's the first word in each one of these um, eight Beatitudes as they are, are laid out here in chapter 5. Um, and, this, and the reason that we're talking about Latin is because this was uh, in the Latin Vulgate. The Latin Vulgate was um, the first translation of the Bible into Latin. It took place around the 4th century or so. So um, that's why we're talking about Latin and we're not talking about Greek, we're not talking about Hebrew, but we're talking about Latin. Um, and like I mentioned, it comes from blessed at the beginning of each of the eight uh, Beatitudes. And the suffix tude, so we have a beata tude, 
Um, and the tood means the condition or the state of. So if we put all this together, um, first of all, understand it's the beatitudes, not the beatitudes, although that is not necessarily a bad way to think about the attitudes that are expressed in these and uh, being those attitudes. But for the purposes of um, what we're talking about here and the word that we, that we come to with beatitudes, um, this, is, this is, is what it means. So if we look at like blessed are the poor in spirit, um, there's the Latin that that comes from, beati pauperis spiritu. So this is what beatitudes means. It's, it's the beata at the beginning is that happiness, blessed. So when you see that in each one of these um, beatitudes, when it starts with blessed, um, that's, what the, that's what it is. And so it became known as the beatitudes. Um, I hope that makes sense to you. So this is the state of being blessed, what these beatitudes are, states of being blessed. Um, so let's uh, continue in this and understand a little bit more. Um, in each of these, what we see is a quality um, of a citizen of the kingdom. So each one of these, as we go through, we see that there's something being expressed about, about a citizen in the kingdom. Um, and it, we break these out, poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger for thirst, thirst and righteousness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, those that are merciful, those that are pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. This represents um, a quality about us as citizens in the kingdom. Uh, so each one of these will follow in that, and there, there's um, the way that they're structured. It's almost like a proverb. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, that's how each one of these is, is structured. Uh, so the quality of a citizen comes first. The blessed is this kind of citizen in the kingdom. And then there's a reward that is talked about. And we'll talk about each one of those as we go through. Um, a couple of things about, about these as we're, as we're studying them. We don't get to choose which one of these we'll possess. You know, we need to possess all of them. Um, we can't be poor in spirit, but yet uh, we're not very gentle. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Um, these are things that we as citizens of the kingdom need to be um, building in our own lives. The characters that are expressed here needs to be being built upon in our own lives. And it's similar to the Christian virtues in 2 Peter 1, um, you know, where it talks about their faith and, and, and knowledge and all those things that are, that, are, that are mentioned there, what we've come to refer to as the Christian virtues, um, Peter says in that, he says, if these are yours and are increasing. So a couple of things there about that. If these, meaning all of these, are yours and what? And are increasing. So if you're growing in these, then they neither, render you neither useless um, nor unfruitful in the spirit uh, in the kingdom of God. Similar to what we're talking about here. The Beatitudes are things that we need to be possessing as children of God. Now, um, understand that some come to the Lord 
because one or more of these, they might be poor in spirit, um, they might be mourning, they might be hungry for righteousness, those things, as, as we read them, I'll, you know, in the past I've always thought about, well, these are people that are coming to God because they're poor in spirit, because they're mourning, because um, they're hungering for thirst and righteousness, and that's true. You know, these are things that people are, in the world are seeking, and we recognize those. I think that's kind of why the reason that, they, that our Lord starts with uh, the poor in spirit. Um, a lot of times, you know, you've seen probably in your own lives those who are poor in spirit and recognize that they need something else in their lives. They're down on their luck. Um, they're at their wit's end, whatever those circumstances might be. So that will cause those to come to the Lord. But what we must understand is that we must develop these qualities if we want to remain with the Lord. So some of these things might have brought us to the Lord, um, but then we can't just dismiss the list and say, well, that, you know, I'm not meek. You know, that's just not me. Well, the Lord here says, blessed are those who are these things. So these are the kind of qualities that um, we as Christians need to be developing in our lives and not just leaving them to, to sit here in the list in Matthew 5, but rather putting these into practice, making sure that we are uh, engaged in building in our faith uh, and building in these qualities. And you'll see as we go through that this will, will kind of lay out, make a little bit more application sense to us as we're going. So let's begin here in verse 3, where our Lord says, as he, as he begins the, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I mentioned that, that kingdom of heaven, how important that is, and, and we see how that line just, just carries right through and begins um, right here at the very beginning, um, talking about the kingdom of heaven. So our Lord's very first... Um, Major sermon here starts talking about the kingdom of heaven. Um, but what about this poor in spirit? You know, there's a recognition in this, um, in this being poor in spirit, that we are sinners. There's a recognition that um, we need to come to him in humility. That we recognize our state. Not that we have inherited the sins of our father, um, or anything like that, but we have sinned because we have transgressed God's law. And we're in that state, and we need to recognize that we are, and we need to come to him in all humility. Um, it, it reminded me of the, uh, the tax collector and the Pharisee um, there in Luke chapter 18, where the Pharisee was very proud of the things that he had done, was very um, boastful. Remember what the tax collector Remember how, what his spirit was like. Um, he says that he was unwilling even to look up to heaven. And he says there in verse 13, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the kind of spirit that we're talking about here, the poor in spirit, recognizing that we are indeed um, sinners and that we need God's grace in order to, um, to be uh, righteous before him. Now, this idea of the kingdom of heaven. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, this is going to appear again in verse 10, um, where he says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, won't get too much into speculation about that, but 
just as a, uh, as a Bible student, there's a recognition there of the, of the bookends, isn't there? He begins with the, the Beatitudes, with uh, those um, with the kingdom of heaven, those inheriting the kingdom of heaven, and ends it with those inheriting the kingdom of heaven. I just think that's an interesting way that that's framed. But the kingdom of heaven is obviously important, and so what really follows and comes in between these things are attributes of the kingdom of heaven, the blessedness that we have as the citizens in the kingdom of heaven. So those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse 4, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, you know, I think that the mourning here that's, that's, that our Lord's talking about is the mourning over that, over that poor spiritual condition. It's a mourning over um, being lost in sin. Uh, recon- the recognition that you are indeed a sinner and then what follows after that. A sorrowful state. And our Lord says that, you know, blessed are those who mourn. If you recognize um, that you're in that state, then that's good because that's, that's a necessary thing for repentance. Uh, there's, that's necessary to make a change. If we're just poor in spirit and, and, and recognize that but don't do anything about it, then the mourning really, really is not taking place. The mourning leads you to something that will hopefully make a change in your life that leads to repentance. That's necessary because you're mourning over that spiritual condition. And the reward there says, for they shall be comforted. Um, How much more comfort is there than inheriting the kingdom of God? Inheriting the kingdom of heaven. So the comfort there, uh, all the blessings that we have within the kingdom, and we're living in the kingdom now. Um, There is um, something there awaiting for us after this life is over. Uh, But we're citizens of the kingdom now, and we enjoy the spiritual blessings um, that follow. We've talked about this this morning and this evening about uh, traveling to other places and and meeting up with with, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. What a blessing that is. Uh, You can come into a place, and you've been here before, so you know, but... um, Come to a place where there's brothers and sisters that are, that are of like mind and precious faith. and What a blessing that is. So when we talk about being comforted, there's a comfort in just inheriting the kingdom, isn't there? Verse 5. It says, Blessed are the gentle, or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, that word meek... Um, I like the word meek probably better than gentle. The New American Standard says gentle. Uh, I think the New King James still says meek. Um, I like that word meek because to me, there's, um, there's, it, it's, it's a rich word and it's more than just being gentle. Um, to me, it ta- I think about meek as strength under control. You can also think about it in this way, as, as a humble strength. A lot of people will dismiss um, meekness as being uh, someone who's run over all the time. Um, I don't see it that way. Uh, in meekness, I see, because we're not instructed to ever just be run over, are we? We're not instructed to um, be anything less than um, confidently approaching the throne of grace. That's, that's what we're talking about this whole year. Um, in our studies is that we are 
to be confident because of our faith. And so meekness, if it, if it was just um, simply spineless being, you know, run over all the time, I don't think that's congruent with what the Lord would have us to be, the character that he would have us to be. He wants us to be confident in our faith. I'll give you a good example of that, and that is Stephen. Um, in uh, Acts chapter 7, remember about Stephen. So when he stood up to um, uh, convict the Jews of um, the things that they had done, did he do that, um, you know, in, in a... In a um, I'm searching for a word. Um, did, did he do that so that he could be run over? Did he do that so that, um, because he probably knew what was going to happen to him, that the words that he was saying were not kind and, and um, you know, fluffy words. These are words that he is saying that, you know, you people are wrong for the things that you have done. And so he delivered a message he spoke strongly against the Jews, and he is going to be to his own jeopardy, whether he might have known it or not. It did lead to his death. Remember, so the things that they were said, they were cut to the quick. But unlike those in Acts chapter 2, who asked what they should do, and Peter told them to repent and be baptized, these went after Stephen, and they stoned him to death. And as he was dying, he says there in chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 60, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. To me, that defines meekness. That is a humble strength. That is a strength that's under control. Now, here's a man who is convicting them of the things, um, the sins that they've committed. They're stoning him. Um, and what does he say? Lord, don't hold this sin against them. To me, that defines meekness. And I think that's what our Lord is talking about here. Blessed are those uh, who are meek, and blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, you know, inherit the earth kind of goes along with the kingdom of heaven. You know, what, what is it that we're inheriting? Um, lots could be said about that. Uh, think about what our Lord said in John 10, 10. He says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, this idea of us being lost in this world. Um, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. What's more abundant than the life that we have in Christ? That's an abundant life. That's inheriting the earth. Uh, doesn't mean that we inherit the riches and the, you know, all those worldly things, but it means we inherit uh, the promises of God and being part of that kingdom. So when we're meek, um, that's how we inherit the earth. In verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Um, hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, our Lord could have said, blessed are those who seek after righteousness. But he didn't. He said those who hunger and thirst. Uh, there's a, a diligence, there's a, a longing um, for knowledge which leads to righteousness that's expressed in this. It's not just that, um, you know, they want righteousness or we want righteousness. It's a hunger and a thirst. That's, that's out of necessity. You know, we, we can do a lot of things, but if we don't eat and drink, you know, some of us can skip a few meals more than others. But there's a, a necessity to eat and drink, to sustain ourselves. 
So there's necessity in seeking after God, seeking after righteousness, seeking his knowledge. Um, and then there's the other side of that. In Isaiah 5 and verse 13, it says, Therefore my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge. And look what he says at the, at the second part of this. And their honorable men are famished, and their multitude is parched with thirst. So this is the, 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 the famished and the parched with thirst. That's hunger and thirst right there. And this is the opposite side of that. Those uh, are going into exile. Why? Because they don't have knowledge. They're not seeking after God's righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. You know, as we're talking about the hunger and the thirst, you know, we're looking to satisfy those cravings. And those are part of our um, bodies as, as humans, that we thirst and we hunger, sometimes more than, um, more than other times. And certainly in this country, we really don't experience thirst and hunger. Um, like some in the world do. But because of that, our Lord says they will be satisfied. And um, I think about um, this account where um, Jesus is, is speaking to Peter, and Peter says, to, to where will we go, Lord? You have the words of life. This is coming out of our Lord talking about um, that the people must eat his flesh and drink his blood. You know, and he's talking about um, taking him in, taking the word of God in, taking uh, his preaching in, not literally eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But there were some who had a problem with that, as you might well imagine. They didn't understand the real meaning that our Lord was saying. And so a lot of his people that were following quit following him after that. And their, our Lord asked his, his apostles, are you not going to follow me either? either? And that's when Peter says, to who would, whom would we go, Lord? You have the words of life. So the satisfaction that we can get from the hunger and thirst for righteousness comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. Comes in the knowledge of him, of knowing more about him, reading the word. That's what will be satisfied when, the, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. In verse 7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, um, we know about mercy. Um, when we think about being merciful, we probably jump right to what? Being kind to others, right? That's what it means to be merciful, to be kind to others. But there's really something else in mercy um, that's important for us to understand. And really what's involved in mercy is, is a kindness to others, yes, but it's a kindness when we have an advantage over them. Um, you know, I think about the scenes in movies where um, someone might be at, about to be put to death and they're pleading with their executioner, you know, have mercy on me. You know, they're, they're wanting, the, the person that's going to execute them has the power to do that. They have an advantage over them. And so the person there that, that's facing execution is asking for mercy. And this, I think, is more to what's being talked about here, especially when we talk about how our Lord um, displays mercy. Um, and we can't talk about mercy really without talking about grace. You know, mercy is what our Lord extends to us, um, even though we are sinners. You know, God's mercy is extended to us. Grace is the unmerited favor. Grace is the idea of giving us something that we don't deserve, 
And mercy is give, not giving us something that we do deserve. So the mercy here that's being talked about is that when we have that um, position of advantage over someone, yet we're kind to them. And that's really taking it up um, some notches there. You think about uh, the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, um, all those other examples of people who had an advantage, yet they still showed kindness over, over to someone. And then the other side of that, um, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So demonstrating mercy to someone um, ensures that God will be merciful to us, and we know, know the passages that, that talk about that. And we're talking about here, of course, is God's mercy, his mercy towards us, um, that while we are sinners, uh, Christ died for us. You know, the things that we enjoy because of God's mercy. Uh, so we need to be displaying that in our own lives. In verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Um, pure in heart probably um, easiest for us to understand, or easy for us to understand. It's about keeping oneself pure. Um, in James chapter 1 and verse 27, uh, he says, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is what God expects of us. This is what God expects of his children, to be pure in heart, to keep oneself pure unstained, unspotted from the world. Um, that's what James identifies as pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God. So when our Lord says, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who are keeping themselves pure, keeping themselves out of the world, unspotted from the world. And the reward here is, for they shall see God. Um, How do we see God? Uh, you know, we've talked in, in past classes and sermons about no one seeing God, right? John writes that in his, um, in his gospel. But how do we see God? Well, one way we see God is that he is seen in Jesus. In Hebrews 1 there, it talks about him being the exact representation of his nature. So those who got to witness Jesus on the earth got to see God, because he was the exact representation of his nature. Um, but what about us? Um, we benefit from having the accounts written about our Lord, the Gospels written about him, the letters that are, that are, that were, are written talking about him. We see Jesus in that way, and we see God in that way. But there is coming a time when we will we'll see him face to face in Revelation 22 and verse 4 talks about that. We'll see our God face to face. And so, how do we get to that point? Well, we need to be pure in heart. If we want to inherit the kingdom of God, if we want to be comforted by God, if we want all these things to be ours, we've got to keep ourselves pure. And that's what our Lord is talking about here. They shall see God. Verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Um, I think we know what, what peacemakers uh, do. They try to keep peace among um, others, don't they? Um, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, so much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. 
So there's a, there's a responsibility um, to, to be peaceful towards others. As much as it depends on me, as much as it depends on you, you, you need to be at peace with all men. That's what a peacemaker does. There's also in this, I think, the idea of, of being at peace, um, making peace in your own life, um, experiencing peace. In Philippians 4 and verse 7, uh, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, there's a peace that's being talked about here in our own lives. And so that needs to play into this as well. We might be able to live at peace with all men, but our own lives might be in turmoil. We need to make sure that the peace that we are seeking after is this kind of peace. Uh, in this Philippians 4 passage, back in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. So here's the idea of the outward appearance that we are to have. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then verse 7, in the peace of God, um, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there's the idea of rejoicing in the Lord. Um, let your gentle spirit be known to all. And what is the reward for this? The reward is it will be called sons of God. Um, I don't know about you, but that's pretty special to me. To be called sons of God. What does that mean? Um, in 1 John 3 and verse 1, John says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. To be called God's children. Um, what a joy that is. What a blessing that is. Um, blessed are those... Um, and they, they get to be called sons of God. Um, the family unit is so important. We, we recognize that in our earthly relationships. But the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father is, is all the more important. And He calls us His children. And we get to call Him our Father. And that's a blessing. That is truly a blessing. To be in that relationship with our God and our Creator. And then finally in verse 10, it says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, the idea here of being persecuted. Um, one thing is that we need to expect that there's going to be persecution. Now, we live in a, a free country. We are able to exercise our um, religion freely. But it's not so in all parts of the world. And there is persecution at much higher levels than what we experience being Americans. But there is persecution for the sake of Christ still going on in this world. And there is persecution that we experience in our own lives. It's, it's, it's minor, comparatively speaking. But um, there's persecution that comes in our own lives. It may mean overlooked in job promotions. It may mean um, a wealth of things. Um, bullying at school, all those kind of things that come into this because of uh, Jesus Christ and our stand for the truth. Uh, in 1 Peter 4 and verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Now, the persecution 
uh, I believe Peter is alluding to, is the persecution under Nero. That was terrible. Um, the persecution of Christians under Nero was terrible. Under Domitian, it was terrible. These terrible Roman leaders that would persecute Christians. So this is a much higher level than what we've ever experienced in our lives. But there's a persecution um, that we can expect. And our Lord is saying that, that those who have been persecuted, um, says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's our, there's our bookend, uh, the kingdom of heaven. And understanding that the prophets were persecuted too. Um, if you come down to verse 11, it says, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. I think that more envelops the kind of persecution that we have, um, being spoken falsely of, uh, insults, uh, all kinds of evil against you. But look what it says in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is in, he in heaven is great, and so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the prophets, uh, you know, you'll get no sympathy from them. They were persecuted, uh, persecuted to the point of death. And so Jesus is saying that, you know, the prophets were persecuted too, um, but our reward is the kingdom of heaven. And again, there's that, there's that bookend um, back from verse 3. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who possess these, these attributes, these, these beatitudes, um, these blessed... Um, really, that's a misnomer. Uh, the, those who um, possess these things that they're blessed for, um, the meekness, um, the poor in spirit, that's where the blessings come from, is from those qualities. The Beatitudes tell us um, of the blessed state of those in the kingdom. You know, we're, we're so blessed to be in the kingdom. And these help us to understand that. They help us to understand each one of these is, is describing um, an attribute about the kingdom. Um, you know, they shall be comforted, shall inherit the earth, they shall be satisfied, they shall receive mercy, they shall see God, be called sons of God. Those are blessings. Those are things that we enjoy um, because of our state. Um, these are states of blessedness in each one of these. And they give us insight into um, the character that Christians should possess. You know, we need to be um, looking at this list and seeing, do we, do we fit these categories? Are we poor in spirit? Do we mourn over the idea that, uh, that we sin? You know, I think there's a, there's a distinction to be drawn about sinners and Christians who sin. But we all are subject to sin. We all need to be uh, mournful of those times that we do sin. And that leads us to repentance. And God is, is ready to forgive his children when they transgress his laws. And these should reinforce the idea uh, that there is a reward in being pleasing to God. You know, there is a reward. There is... Um, something that we can look forward to when this life is over. But there's also rewards in this life. You know, we can uh, enjoy those things uh, that the Lord has given us to enjoy in this life by being children of, of His, enjoying the brotherhood, the fellowship, the things that we have in this world that we, 
um, can enjoy. So think about that as you look at this list. There's lots of promises uh, in heaven and the life to come. But there's promises in this list, too, about the world that we live in now. The state that we live in now. I mean, that state of being a child of God. Great Sermon on the Mount. What a way to start. <laughs> what a way to start. To talk, start talking about these things that are... Uh, uh, how a citizen is blessed when he is a child of God. If you possess these qualities... Our Lord is saying that you're blessed. And you're blessed by these things, these rewards that he spells out here. What a great way to start uh, this great sermon. We'll pick up here next week and move on into the other parts of, of the lesson. I hope this one's been encouraging to you. Um, you know, the Word of God is so very important. Um, it, uh, it means everything to the Christian. It's how we understand what God's will for us is. And his will for us is to be his child. To be a citizen of that kingdom. So if you're not a citizen of that kingdom, I would encourage you to become one. And if you're a child of God and you're not uh, practicing these things, not putting these characteristics, these attitudes uh, into practice, then I would encourage you to make things right and to uh, do what you need to do in your own life to strengthen your faith in God. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.